Hey everybody, Zach here. Welcome to the show. All right, so I am thrilled to share a special episode on this week's pod. And this week's episode is actually from Enrollify's sister pod, CRM Prov. And it's called Can Higher Ed Be Solved Carvana Style? Assessing Digital Impact in Enrollment and Marketing. And for those of you who are not aware, Enrollify is a whole network of shows now. We started with just the show that you're listening to right now, but we've graduated. We've got shows like Chats, What She Said with our partner Mongoose. We've got a special podcast series called Signals with our friends over at Glacier. And CRM Prov is actually a show where Jamie Gleason from DD Agency, he's the VP of Enrollment Strategy at DD Agency, sits down with Mickey Baines, who is a principal at Kennedy & Company, to talk all things higher ed technology, and they bring on a number of really exciting guests to riff on CRM strategies, best practices, talking about the future of what a university's tech stack should look like, and they just, their characters, they have a lot of fun in between. So you're going to love this week's episode, um, and this week's episode actually is, uh, they, they're joined by a guest, Shannon Zatola, who is the VP of Enrollment Management and Marketing at Ursinus College. And this is going to be jam-packed with lots of fun, um, but also a lot of like really good practical tips for how to think differently about enrollment marketing, enrollment strategy, and really sort of how to better leverage technology to make your job as an enrollment marketer a lot easier. So you're going to love this episode with Mickey and Jamie. And if you haven't done so already, if you scroll down to this, to the show notes, you can click on over to CRM Prov and you can subscribe to the core show. So um, without further ado, get ready to meet Jamie, Mickey, and Shannon. All right, guys, enjoy the show. It's okay, Mickey. I appreciate your pre-narratives. I, li- I like how you like set the stage. You're, you're much more professional than I am when it comes to this kind of thing, oh. as usual. Professional? That's a strong term to use. Uh, <laughs> I sure right. hope that gets edited out because we're recording. All, All right. right. Well, let's do the countdown. Three, two... One. Mickey, it's good to see you this morning, uh, this brisk fall morning, and uh, here we are again. We're uh, we're doing it. We're doing it. It is fall hit. Like it was. Yeah. It, like I yesterday. think this year, it was a switch. Like over the weekend, I think for, for us, like it was last Friday was uh, felt like 80, 82. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had the rain come through. It was still a little humid and warm Saturday, but by Sunday it got cool and it was a definite switch. It's yes. on and, and fall is here. I just am hopeful for another couple of weeks of 60 to 70. If yeah. we can get that in the afternoon for another couple of weeks, then I will have felt like we got a real fall. Yeah. I think I think you're probably in luck. So uh, so hopefully I've not looked at the weather. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I think so. It's going to be 75 tomorrow. So I think you're okay. Okay. Well, maybe not. I guess for everyone listening, we should go ahead and declare that all of us here uh, in this recording are located in central to eastern, really south central to southeastern Pennsylvania. So we 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 do have relatively great falls. Yeah, I actually, yeah. I would say this as a person who's originally from upstate New York, one of my favorite things about southeastern Pennsylvania is the fall. Like it's just so long and so like pretty and very exciting. Well, so, it's definitely my favorite season. And uh, as someone who's fr- originally from South Carolina, the the 
main reason I love Pennsylvania the most is the ability to experience all four seasons. Yes. Very you well really said. get that. Um, and, and as someone who loves fall and I do appreciate all the seasons, I probably appreciate summer the least, but um, I don't like the high heat. Hence why I moved. Right, goes to Michigan north. all the time. Yes. Yes. I love um, Northern States in the summer. Well, as we're talking about seasons, it provides a perfect segue for us to talk, to kind of tee up this, this, this conversation we're going to have today. And we have a great guest who's going to join us in talking about, I'll call it the changing seasons of the admissions office. That's like, it's a little corny. I won't use it as a title, I promise, but I feel like we're at this, we're at this point, right? And uh, so today we have Shannon Zatola from Ursinus College, VP of Enrollment and Marketing from Ursinus College. Uh, it, you can, Shannon, you can correct me if I got any of that wrong, and it's okay to do it on the air. Um, but we're excited to, to bring her to discuss with us a conversation that Mickey and I kind of inaugurated, but definitely did not have in full. So Shannon, welcome to uh, CRM Prov. Wow, thanks so much for having me. So well, I'm excited for this conversation, Jamie. Um, yeah. Why don't you tee it up? Well, it's continuing, I think, what we began to introduce that on our last episode as we were recording. And I know afterwards, or maybe even before we had that conversation, we talked a little about, you know, how can we find um, a great guest that will help us extend that? And um, and in just talking with you, Shannon, because we've not met before this morning and just spending 10 minutes is like, oh, you said uh, several magic keywords. Like, (laughs) So thank you, Jamie, for getting us all together to have this conversation, you know, I, last time we began to talk a little bit about the the role of CRM in supporting sales and marketing, and what does that really mean in admissions and in, in the role of admissions and admissions staff. We're coming off of a year, multiple years, I guess, at this point, a couple of falls where there are so many ifs, ands, and buts uh, going on with those scenarios and forecasts for enrollment. Um, and while there was a little bit of return to normalcy, I think this year, um, last year gave us a lot of opportunity to question a lot of things that I think will help open the door for a shift in those roles um, mm-hmm. that we talked about. So Shannon, I guess um, for context of folks, we're not really talking a whole lot specifically in this episode about how you're using, specific ways you're using CRM, but for context, what CRM does your team use at our science? We use Slate. And, and, and you told us you were um, institution number? Well, I think we were somewhere around 12. So we were a very early adopter. Very early adopter of Slate. And as is the case with many Slate users, still on it many years later. Um, Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's one of the biggest testimonials, I think, for, for Slate mm-hmm. is the length of time um, college universities stay with that platform. So- um, so obviously things are working well from a technological standpoint. Um, tell us a little bit about how your team, how you and the team transitioned last fall when we lost the ability to travel. Well, um, it was quite a challenging pivot for us. You know, if you haven't noticed, I think some private liberal arts institutions are a little slower um, to, to switch gears. And so um, really thought long and hard about how are we going to continue the great work that we've done in our in-person outreach to students and, and translate that to something really different um, that still accomplishes the same goal. So 
really thinking about um, what virtual offerings make sense, not only for our prospective students and families, but also for our, our staff. I mean, the burnout of COVID was real and really trying to balance what do we need to do and how do we think about um, what we're doing very differently. And so I think the conversation about the role of CRM and marketing and how I think that took on a life of its own, it needed to, to make up for some of the other aspects that we were losing. So really thinking much more holistically um, in terms of overall in the enrollment division um, and the institution and how we recruit. I'm assuming that that transition is kind of like, I, I think as we view it, right? Like as we view the the role within the within the admissions team, like it's an ever morphing, like this is ever uh, like changing and constantly being reevaluated. Mm -hmm. Were there some specific things that like maybe even in this last year that you, maybe you had conceptualized prior to the fall, but then you were able to like actually do, you were able to implement some vision that you had had or I, and here's the, here's, let me just, I'll confess the, uh, as a former uh, admissions director, I also have wondered, you know, about the legitimacy of travel and, and its role. And, you know, it's one of those games we play because, you always have your constituents that are like, oh, well, we were at that fair and we didn't see your table or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like this, this ever, you know, it's always there. That doesn't make it actually worthwhile, but it is, you know, one of those affirmations that we kind of have to abide by. But was there anything that you were able to like last year say, hey, because we can't travel, we're going to try X or we're going to do Y because here's the opportunity. Can you give us some tangibles? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's only so many people and so much time, right? So mm -hmm. thinking about um, where do we focus? And for us, I think we spend a lot of time really thinking about, one, our web presence, right? Our website. We knew right from the start, we know how important that is to students, right? Now we had some time to really spend on perfecting that. Um, certainly spending additional time, you know, thinking about the behaviors of prospective students responding in ways that we may not have really thought was as critical as it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I think putting a, a larger reliance on those pieces rather than, okay, did a counselor, you know, see a student at this virtual visit, which we have no idea how that's going to pan out. It, yeah. it, it Yield on that may be terrible. So what are the other pieces that we need to really rely on and how do we ensure that they're not just working properly, but better than the competition. And yeah. so I think that, that that really was our our game last year. Hey, I know you're deeply engaged with this conversation, but we're going to pause just for a moment for an important word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Mongoose. Mongoose is dedicated to being a bridge for higher education between schools and constituents. With a focus on conversational marketing software, Mongoose takes great pride in offering both the knowledge and the tools to help higher ed engage, motivate, and grow individuals and communities. They've got two exceptional products that help folks do just that. The first one is Cadence, higher education's premier texting platform. Mongoose Cadence allows staff to efficiently reach students in their preferred daily communication channel, which is texting. Whether sending a message to a single student or a large list, the platform facilitates timely, meaningful conversations that inspire action. Harmony. 
Mongoose Harmony is an intelligent chatbot that effortlessly guides visitors to the right content, captures lead information, and simultaneously updates any systems integrated with that chatbot, and routes visitors to the appropriate staff when a human is needed. Students and alumni visit a school's website because they want quick information. Conversational marketing through chatbots allows you to efficiently answer questions and keep constituents engaged at the peak of their interest in your institution. To learn more about Mongoose offerings, head on over to mongooseresearch.com forward slash Enrollify. And fun fact, you'll be able to engage with a chatbot on that page. Again, it's mongooseresearch.com forward slash Enrollify. How did it work out? I think it worked out great. I mean, we came in very, very close to our targets. Um, Academic quality was probably the best we've had. Um, Diversity in our class, again, institutionally, it was our best year. Discount rate held. So I think all of the the variables that we look at beyond the board's favorite, what's the number, um, hit the mark. So I think it was great. And I think the staff really learned from this experience that you know, Jamie, what you said, admissions is changing. It's always changing. And if you're not changing, you're dead in the water. And so I think um, really forcing folks to to think outside the way we've done things was was helpful to us, not just for last year and hitting the target, but for this year and years to come. Um, you know, we're a CTCL school, colleges that change lives. And the virtual aspect of things, I think, opened opened us up to new markets that we never would have captured had we not been forced to move things into a virtual space. So I think it worked out great. A couple of follow-ups. We we started with Jamie's questions on, you know, what were you able to do? I guess, so what what were you not able to do that crossed your mind, you thought about, wanted to do, but could not, for whatever reason, resource, technology, time, my goodness, I think that's a great question. And I honestly feel like nothing. I feel like we did everything to the point where my word this year for our division is simplify, right? We need to pull back. We cannot do what we did last year because it almost killed us all. Um, so I honestly can't think of something that we wanted to do that didn't. I think if we thought of it and we thought it might work, we went for it. Okay. Which explains probably a little bit about what did your team do at the time that they had not being on the road? Um, tried a little bit of everything. Um, they did. They they did a lot of everything. Yes. That's Are awesome. there a couple of things that you can highlight that you're holding on to this year and for the foreseeable future because of the results they achieved? Yeah. Yeah, definitely our virtual open houses. So that had been, you know, we, we had never been good before COVID at offering virtual options at all. Um, I honestly don't think we had any. Um, so certainly the virtual open houses and the virtual you know, connections with counselors, we're gonna keep that because for a few reasons. One, certainly it opens us up to a new geographic market like I talked to you, but two, you know, access for those families that can't get to campus or can't get there during the day and take time off. I think we found based on our mission that that has been a really valuable tool for us. So certainly um, keeping with that trend is one of them. Um, and then again, I think you know the most important thing we're keeping is just forcing ourselves to continually think differently about 
about how we are recruiting students. And I think we can never go away from that. We can't continue to rely on the same old strategies, the same old, let's go to this high school and let's make sure we're at this fair. And, oh, we always send a postcard at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, really thinking about how are we going to shake things up in meaningful ways, not just to shake it up, but what do we think will have the most impact? So that's what I hope to keep from all of this is the the ability to pivot and do it quickly and well. Yeah. I love the word. I feel like that word, if you, you know, the the simplification, and it, and it seems counterintuitive, right? Like obviously, techno- typically, and maybe this is, maybe this is like a, uh, an age thing, but I feel like typically technology brings with it the, this, this formidable thought of complexity, right? Like, you know, when, when we talk about CRM, Mickey, like we talk a lot about personalization and the ability to automate and do things that are, you know, automation seems like simple, but it's such a hard thing to program in, right? It's, it's hard to get the data points. It's hard to do these you know, so leveraging that technology in order to get to that simplification, I think is a key aspect to like, you know, t- to where we need to go. So um, I-, I love that. That's a great, uh, I'm just going to take that word. I'm going to, I'm going to write a blog on that word because I think that that makes so much sense of figuring out how to simplify the process. And obviously we want that, that, that to come through to the end user. So like, there's no friction from their end. Um how, how are you able to leverage, you know, aspects of your CRM in, in doing some of those new things? Was there, was there any like tweaks that you had to do? Were there specific things that needed to be built up or baked in that weren't there before? Yeah, definitely. So um, really finding um, ways to harness Slate. Um, so I have to preface this with saying we have one of the best Slate administrators in the country. He is absolutely amazing so one well first real quick take his name and email off your website so that others contact him today coach okay go ahead and do that i I absolutely yeah i had to fight some people at NACAC who kept talking to me about him so um you know he's great so really letting him be creative because he's a very creative person and in in our use of portals um, so I think we, if you go to our website, you know, a few of the great things we do, our visit portal, our, our specialty scholarship portal, um, really harnessing the power of Slate, not just in, um, you know, how we connect with students and how we house other information, but how do we shift that to a more external focus and use its features in ways that I think are visually appealing on brand for us and super user-friendly. So that certainly was one of them. Um, really, I think helping the campus change their mindset to host a, a virtual event, I think that's a hard thing um, for people to switch from always being in person to having to, to shift. It's an entirely different experience for the mm-hmm. student. How do we adapt what we're doing? So I think um, that certainly was one element, element. And then how do you mix and match, right? There are elements in Slate like the You know, we had to use Zoom and we had to tie it all back to Slate and otherwise it wasn't going to be working effectively. So how do you mix and match various technologies so that seamless experience is what the end user is getting? Um, So definitely portals was a big one. That was probably the biggest thing we really invested in to make all of this work. Awesome. Did Did that impact anything with the website itself? No, it did not. Nope. Mm-mm. And because, like I said, 
marketing is part of enrollment. I think we have such an opportunity there to ensure that the conversations are happening. Everyone is on the same page about exactly what our goal is. Everyone has the same stake in what we're doing. So I think um, we were able to really make things, you wouldn't even know it was a portal. Um, that's how seamless the, the experience is on the external end. No problems at all. Hmm. So I think this is a, an important piece um, to the to the question of, of where we headed and what will allow us to head there. Um, we were talking before we hit record one of those um, one of those brilliant conversations we have that were, was not captured and can't be included. But um, the I'm finding more frequently over the past few years um, this this position for enrollment marketing. And um, which I think in, in general has been a viable position for admissions teams to be able to, to get some movement and, and things done that they need for marketing purposes. But the reason I typically find that that position exists is because of the wall between admissions and marketing when they're separate departments. And you, again, pre-recording made this comment that um, was a powerful comment, I believe. Um, and I think it kind of relates to your view and belief and, and how connected they need to be. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm going to steal your thunder and say, you, you, well, no, I won't steal your thunder. Why don't you tell, why don't you tell me your response to that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I said that I will never, ever take a position where marketing is not part of the enrollment directly to me. I think it is that important for the work that we do in enrollment for that complete alignment um, that it, you're right. Otherwise, that there is a barrier. Um, as, as good and as collaborative and collegial as both areas are, if they're not driving towards exactly the same vision through the same leadership, I think it's really hard to accomplish mm -hmm. all the goals we're charged with in enrollment. And so uh, I don't want to scare all the VPs of marketing that might be listening here or directors of marketing that, that might be listening here um, that aren't in that scenario. Um, but the Too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's start to alleviate those fears a little bit, a little bit, um, because I think the key, in my opinion, the key is how you just ended that in that the alignment with the same vision, values, mission, goals, all of that. And the way around that, that can be successful to me is if the most senior leader, the president of the institution that might oversee two different VPs that oversee enrollment and marketing is taking that same role to say, look, here's our mission and our, and our vision here, and this is how it needs to be aligned. And then it kind of trickles down that way um, to ensure that there's the right collaboration um, and, and really blend between those two teams. Um, I've seen it work that way, but I've also seen, you know, the, the singular leader, the VP of enrollment and marketing um, be the other path for success. But if I don't have one of those two scenarios when I'm in an institution, there are walls um, and sometimes really thick walls. And, and I, you know, while I see the value in the role marketing position, I hate when I go through discovery process and see that the real reason that position was created is because of that wall. Because inevitably, while we have an enrollment marketer, that position is still siloed away from all of this tool set that the marketing team has to engage. And if you don't have that full tool set, 
which is not just the CRM, not just the Google Ads account, um, but it's also the website. It's also other communication tools, whether that's a tool embedded in your CRM or uh, more advanced tools um, that you might have. The, you, you, you need the full access to the, to the tool set. And when it's still siloed, that, that political division disables a, a lot of, of, of opportunity. Um, so, I, so I'm glad that you, you, you said that. Um, did you make any organizational shifts during the pandemic, whether it was permanent or, or temporary? Did you reassign um, staff different types of responsibilities? I mean, obviously you had to launch a virtual open house. You know, how, how did, who, who had to take ownership for that? What did that person have to give up? Or is that mm-hmm. same person kind of keeping that responsibility? And if so, what would they give up for that? Yeah, I'm not, I don't, we didn't really make any big organizational shifts to enrollment um, in terms of actual positions. I think what was different about how we approached and and the virtual offerings in particular is now the shared ownership of that event. So instead of having our, you know, admission events person really um, be the sole owner of that, it was a shared, it was a shared cross-divisional um, experience. So we met every week, sometimes twice a week as a group of like, I think there were six or seven people in those meetings, um, to iron out every single detail to make sure that we were completely in sync. And I think honestly, if we hadn't done that, um, I don't know that we would have been as successful as we were. So I think it was, again, just a shift in philosophy of, of, of who's doing what and how is that working? And, you know, maybe someone who traditionally would not have been involved in any kind of open house now had a leading role. You know, now you're having um, the, the director of marketing in every one of these conversations, the creative director, so he can put together the digital brochures, um, you know, our, our web, our webmaster ensuring that all of the things that needed to live on the website were where they needed to be and accessible. So I think it was just a different, a different way of doing things, not necessarily shifting of positions. Okay. And I, and I like that we've, you kind of started hitting a little bit on, on how the marketing group um, shifted some of their work as well in terms of being involved in conversations, maybe they haven't been involved in, in the, in the past. Um, and, and I think that starts to really connect back Jamie to where we started last week Mm -hmm. uh, on this shift, not so much maybe immediately on positions themselves, but what is occurring within those positions, the role of a portal in recruitment might shift. The role of the creative director in thinking about virtual brochures or how you promote events. Um, and I am seeing other institutions talk a lot about the virtual events, whether that's something they weren't doing and they're keeping or mm-hmm. they modified how they do some virtual things um, through the pandemic that they're going to keep. Or some people, they had them, but other people weren't as engaged or involved and didn't care about the virtual stuff. So they didn't pay any attention. And last year began to embrace it um, in that it's changing a little bit. And I think well, let me just pause and, and, and ask you, Shannon, you know, are there any other potential cascading changes that might occur this year based on the continued adoption of some of the changes from last year? Um, 
I think, you know, I don't have a, a straight answer for that because I think it's a continual mm-hmm. look and see and, and watch, wait to see how things are shaking out in terms of success. Certainly, again, keeping with the virtual options, you know, I think we talked a bit about travel. Um, and I think that's a big question. You know, if we were successful without getting into these schools, um, what's the balance there? And how do we continue to be as strategic and laser focused as we can and individuals? So I think really spending time, um, more time than we ever have in looking at the individual perspective student experience and what behaviors are they exhibiting that we then build upon and think differently about. So that's, that sounds like a cop-out answer. I don't, I don't have no. a, a, yeah, no. we're not doing this or we're doing this differently. But I think it's, again, really just a, an understanding that we have, to, we have to change course on certain things that are becoming mm-hmm. obsolete or may become obsolete or less impactful in the recruitment experience. And how did we learn from last year and how will we use that to think about the future of recruitment. So, you know, in my role as VP, I think that's really where my head is at um, mm-hmm. in what did we learn and, and, and how do we adapt? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's a great position to take because you don't want to be just saying, you know, you don't want to be like, just say, like saying, oh, we constantly have to be moving this needle. Um, first of all, it might scare members of your staff or team or cabinet or whomever, like in a, in a maybe a hasty way. But I think secondly, it, it also reflects, I think the, the sheer complexity of this, this issue that we're, that we're facing, right? There's not only this historicity of the role and, and the, the, the tactics of relationship development that have been so a part of, you know, being a part of the admissions team, um, but there is this like movement toward, you know, what does it mean to like to deploy content and to create content and be a marketer while you're a relationship manager? And oh my word, it's so different. And it's so and and higher ed does it so differently than than other places. And and, and I think that you, you know, you're wise, Shannon, in saying we don't know. Like no one, I don't think we know because. Uh, because our perspective has to change on that process. But, you know, as our perspective changes, so does the behavior of the students that we're trying to, uh, that we're trying to court and win. So it's very, you know, it's, it's very, um, it, you know, in some ways it's kind of chaotic, um, but there is some order, you know, there is, there's a lot of change that's, that's, that's kind of flurrying around, but there's a lot of order in that, that we have to kind of grab onto and say, okay, Here's what worked. The data tells us this worked or the human experience tells us this worked, which is makes it way more complicated. And how are we going to move in this direction in light of this? So I think that there is, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in taking that answer. So I appreciate that. Thanks. So uh, I have, I have some, I don't know if I want to call them predictions. I don't like that word, but um, I have some crystal ball out on some cascading (laughs) pieces. Um, A lot of people are going to keep virtual as, as options. So last year it was the core of what we did because we couldn't travel. Virtual had to be the way that we, we engage. So now we're going to add. So this year we're going back to travel. Most of us, some, some areas of the country, maybe not, but we're going back to travel, but we're keeping virtual. So now we've got another uh, tactic in the bag of, I used to call them my, my bag of recruitment tricks. Um, 
right? So we've got to have this mixed to the fold. So that's going to require one additional thing that we have to plan and prepare for. Um, but if I look outside of higher ed and we look at how, and this is further out, if we look at how other industries have, have shifted um, and how the pandemic accelerated the shift, how many people now are buying a car without ever going to a dealership? Whether that's because it's the pandemic or there just isn't a car on the lot to go see anyway. So why do I need to go there? Mm-hmm. I don't need to do that. I don't have to talk to a salesperson. And I'll and I'll say my through my own lens, I've done three cars that way that I've purchased it, it through text or with a dealer salesperson, but without actually talking to them until I'm ready to go sign up paperwork. Um, but we see that now there's sites where you can just go purchase your car and have it delivered to your front door. Now that's not going to happen in education per se, but I've also found the first case study of someone going out and buying a million dollar ER, ERP tool, not in higher it, and a million dollar ERP online without talking to anyone ever. Now, we're years away from anything like that. But if we know people are making that level of comfort and we know when you think of buying, making a million dollar ERP uh, purchase, a lot of that comes with trust in the vendor, trust in the product, the ability to fully understand how that's going to function for you. That means that company had to have all of that on the site for somebody else to buy it. They had Mm -hmm. to have the ability to build the trust, to get answers to questions, to see how it's going to function. We're opening the door for that now with these virtual open houses, the virtual tours that have been around for a while, but started to skyrocket last year. It accelerated that so that students get the full understanding of the experience online without being on campus. How do we have all of that and provide that? And I think the school that first provides all of that to let you get the full experience without having to talk to someone sets himself up in the future. And I think that's really where I'm going with this mm-hmm. whole concept, Jamie, is what does that mean then if we were to do that to your admissions and marketing teams? What they do on a daily basis shifts pretty dramatically. dramatically, Oh, yeah. You don't have a web person anymore. You've got a web team, right? But there are a few schools out there, especially small private liberal arts colleges that say, oh, let's just go hire a web team. that That funding doesn't exist without other shifts happening. I don't know how or when, but that's my thought and prediction of, of where we will be four years, five years. Not four everybody, years. but we'll see, I think, a handful of institutions going that direction. I don't know. Shannon, you can tell me I'm nuts if you want. It's okay. No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a good point. I think evidence indicates, you know, like you talked about the outside of higher ed examples, that, that, that those are things that people like, right? We don't like to answer the phone anymore. Sometimes we don't, we don't want that human connection, right? I'll buy something off Amazon instead of walking into Target and getting it for a lot of different reasons. Um, It makes me sad to think of a world in higher ed that might look like that because I think so much of what we do Mm -hmm. beyond the 18 months of recruitment, that is relational, right? So the whole rest of a student experience, unless they're in an online, fully online institution, um, is about that relationship. And that translates all the way through their experience. And are we retaining them? Are we graduating them? Are they engaged alumni? Do they give? Do do they bring their kids back? Um, 
that it makes me sad that there might be such a disconnect in the recruitment aspect of what we do. And then the rest of everything that comes after it, that is so much more important. So I think, I really do think it's about finding that balance and, and yeah. finding that balance for each student. So, you know, for every student that wants buy their, you know, their educational experience out of a vending machine, like they do with cars. Now there's a student that wants the full court, you know, they want to talk with admissions. They want to talk with the student. They want to talk with faculty. They want to talk with the president. Um, I, I, and I think that it's so different for every student, that journey. And how do you, how do you find that balance when it requires so much energy and effort? And how do you change the role of the admission counselor I think to adapt to that using technology, and I think that's where we started with this conversation. You know, it's not just about phone calls and and having students for an information session. It's about checking Slate and seeing what emails did this kid open, what websites are they pinging on, how do I tailor my conversation to hit the points that I know are Amen. really important. Um, and I think Amen. the shift. So, the world I'm talking about. You, what you're talking about is the in-between. Yes. Uh, and let's connect those dots because I don't envision that world I'm talking about being one that doesn't provide that relational experience, at least for those who do it right and who do it well. There'll be folks who try to do it who fail. Um, they're already trying to do it and failing. They're trying in a, in a more 2021 way, but they're still failing at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a a shift that will get us to that point. But I think, and I think it's saying, Hey, first we have to get rid of the funnel. We can't talk about enrollment funnel anymore. Um, We've got to get rid of it. And we have to start talking about the enrollment journey. Um, And knowing that when a student is ready to have that relational conversation with us and engage with us will differ by student. And, and I'm going to take another leap here and say, cause not everybody uses the concept of personas, but if you do, you got to get rid of them. Um, personas are 2016, uh, maybe in higher ed 2020. Um, but, uh, but we've got to get rid of those. And because every student wants that relationship to be their own and they want it to be when they're ready for that. And so we have to build this world in a way that allows them to engage with us in the way they want at the time they want, whether that's pre-application, whether it's one day before the deposits due, that we have to be ready for that conversation. And in order to have an effective conversation, it can be almost anyone that engages with that student because it, what if that's on chat? Mm-hmm. That person's right. respective admission counselor may not be sitting uh, and online for chat at that point in time. So it's a multiple sales opportunity like it's not a single yeah. person it's a team yeah still uh, and i'm careful with that word but um but then we have to have that and the person that has that conversation has to understand every bit of that student's experience whether it's been completely digital primarily anonymous you know all of that has to be incorporated so that i can understand to say you know what this student has applied, has been accepted, has received a scholarship, has never been on campus, has visited our site 45 different times, and has looked at these pages, and 80% of these pages have been focused on X. And now I'm ready to really understand the context of that student's question about X, because mm-hmm. there's the gap or the next step of information they need so that they can make their deposit tomorrow. 
Agreed. How do we get there? It's, it's a, it's a long journey because yeah. we are far behind that, yeah. that world right now. But I, 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 I think this is an accelerator. Pandemic is an accelerator for that because now we've started providing for the first time, some form of digital experience, potentially fully digital experience before someone arrived on campus. Mm-hmm. So now we know what that's like. Numbers weren't as bad as we thought in, in many cases. And then how do we kind of continue to do that, to offer that as a channel for some of our students? Because as you've opened up other markets, you will look, continually have some students that might be outside of that market who don't get to campus. So how do we continue? And as other people continue to do the same, how do you stay ahead? Sitting the, staying ahead, having that drive is what pushes you to get to inevitably to that point. Maybe it's 10 years out, not four years out. Maybe I was being a little aggressive. <laughs> when you said four years, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I saw your jaw drop. And when you started, when you got tools out to help you lift back I up, I knew that was a, a, bit, a bit aggressive. Let's just go for by the time you're ready to retire, Mickey. Let's just go for that, right? <laughs> I said four years to start. I'm just kidding. Oh, I wish I could retire in four so years. So I'll officially, I know we need to wrap up. I question your statement about the death of personas, but I'm still thinking through that. We don't need to explore that topic right now because I feel well, like there we'll, are these. Well, bookmark it. Let's come yeah, back let's to it. Bookmark. Let's put a pin in that I one for am, a second. And I, and I was, I did, someone else, I heard someone else say it that yeah. like, oh, wait a minute. And then I just spent probably three hours in a rabbit hole trying to un- understand and, and unpack it. And what yeah. does it mean? Um, because six months ago, I was still talking about personas. Um, yeah, I, and, the, and I, yeah, I just yeah. question whether I, or not. I we think can... it's a, it's a journey to get to beyond yeah. personas. So sure. I think you, you can you use them, yes, but I think you use them to a point when you're ready to move beyond that to yeah. have that truly personalized experience. Um, yeah. Personas, you you have you have to get there and then move past that to get truly personalized. Yeah. Um, and a lot of schools don't have the data in place to make that experience truly personalized yet. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I can agree with that. Is there a way to get you there? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that one. Sorry. Sorry. I extended it another four minutes, but that no, was, yeah, that was, no, but that think... was like, that was like three, three, <laughs> 30 seconds. So yeah. I want to express my thanks to you, Shannon, for spending time with, with, us too and exploring this topic i'm congratulations on you know making the number or close to the number i will say congratulations on success this fall because i think that's that's the big thing it's like capturing success and understanding like what that looks like and what has been a, a a thread throughout what you've said is that you're not just looking at this year and saying okay we did it like now back to normal you're looking at it as like this. This was year one of a multi-year journey that's ever morphing, and uh, you've got the right mindset. So we're excited about watching watching that happen. So thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This has been great. I really appreciate it. All right, Mickey, you want to wrap us up? Wait, uh, we, were, I don't... we were gonna we were gonna ask this question. We were gonna so Shannon. Oh uh, yes, can, yes. Let's do this. We ask can't, a question. We can't wrap without it. Yes. A normal question. Like we were gonna create a standard. Tw- what was it? What was your question, Mickey? Give us one and only one overused buzzword in C- in higher ed CRM world or CRM or higher ed technology world. Gosh, there's so many. <laughs> oh, see, that's the hard part of the question. Give us one. I don't even know if I have one. I've got a list of about 40. Yeah? Maybe yes. I'm that deep in. 
Well, I've spent a little more time thinking about it. And, and given that I talk about it so much, there are certain words I hate to use. And I have a list of words, never use this word or listen for when you use it. Uh, the first one that comes to mind, and this is probably the one I've had on the list the longest, robust. <laughs> well, I think my pet peeve word, and I think it relates, probably is deep dive. And that's too Ah, uh, Yes. But that, and I think it does relate to and let. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep dive into blah blah blah. Can't stand it. <laughs> That's a good one. That's uh, a good one. It is on that my one. list. That one's on the list. It's not one I avoid at all costs. So I'm sure I I say it occasionally. I don't think I said it in this conversation. But, no. Uh, but it is definitely a an awesome overused term. Yep, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was That's at a I one. attended a conference recently where they have a whole. Um, stream of the sessions are focused on deep dives. So, <laughs> so you won't be at that conference anytime. No, soon. definitely not. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again, Shannon. Uh, JB, I don't know how else to close it out. We, we, we're, we'll we be adding on the buzzwords, I think, each time, because it adds a little bit of at least fun. Um, it's going to be super funny. Um, but again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, until next time, we're going to continue this conversation, right? We're going to keep going. Sure. Um, and we're going to lay in other guests here and there. I'm excited. We've got a guest coming um, who, who I've known for, for a while now, who's been going through uh, an implementation of a, of a new CRM. And we're going to talk a little bit about that experience and, um, and what it was like those last few weeks before going live. Nice. So until then, we'll see you next time. Bye.